welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast. My name is Robin Birkin. I'm the host of this podcast uh, and I'm also the author of the Modern Day Misses blog as well as two books. One of those is called Screw Infertility which is kind of half memoir, half pick-me-up book and the other is Fertility Warrior in the Kitchen where I look at fertility diets uh, and a whole bunch of recipes and things like that. But today, I actually wanted to introduce you to another author uh, who focuses a lot on fertility and diet, and that is Sarah Clark from Fab Fertile. Sarah is sharing her story with us today uh, of her experience with infertility, which I'll give you the, a little bit of a background uh, hot tip on. Uh, it involves premature ovarian failure uh, and two children who are born with donor eggs. But Sarah later discovered that a lot of what could have been causing her infertility was food intolerances. And I really encourage you to listen to this podcast and hear her story. And one of the powerful takeouts that I got from this story was that so often we ignore the symptoms in our bodies, the things that are going on in our bodies. And on my own fertility journey as well, I really, you know, got to a point of tuning into my body and finding out what foods worked well for my body and things like that as well. And that is why Sarah in her program does a lot of uh, functional testing for women on what, well, what actually is working and not working for your body uh, in the diet that you are currently consuming and what diet is best for you in terms of fertility. So please take a listen to Sarah's podcast. Um, I'll also link to a few other things that she has, her blog, as well as a free three-day fertility diet challenge that uh, Sarah offers as well that you can take part in. But have a listen to Sarah's story and see what you think. I think it's always helpful to listen to what other people have to say and to listen about their, to their journeys uh, and what helped get them through and what they discovered along the way. So take it away, Sarah. Thanks for having me, Rob. I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, I wanted to share a story um, about actually my journey with infertility. So I used to always joke that um, I had uh, menopausal hot flashes. This was in my early 20s. And um, I was in HR at the time. I'd be interviewing people and um, sort of joking I had menopausal hot flashes. Well, it turned out that I was. So at the time, um, actually my periods, I had maybe only a couple periods a year, I thought that at that time in my early 20s, that was a good thing because I didn't have to deal with the, mo the monthly hassle. And then, you know, all through um, high school, I had really great skin. And all of a sudden, in my early 20s, I started having acne. And then I had just recurrent yeast infections to the point where I just thought it was normal to have a yeast infection all the time. And then I had this weird fungal rash on my chest. And all of a sudden, dandruff kind of started um, coming up as, for me as well. And then... Um, you know, then all my friends around me, they started having kids and uh, I got married at 25 and I thought, I, you know, I wanted to have kids at 28. So I'd had all these kind of weird, uh, seemingly unrelated um, health issues going on. And so I thought, OK, well, the fact that, you know, my period only comes, you know, one, one to one to two times a year that that, you know, let's let's get that looked at. So I went to my OBGYN and had some testing done and she brought me back in and she sat at her desk and across from me and um, told me that I had premature ovarian failure, which is the loss of function of the ovaries before the age 40. I remember sitting there 
when she told me this and she kind of reached up to her bookcase and grabbed the packet for IVF and said the only chances of you having your own children are with donor eggs. So I left the office with her and was just kind of in, well, shock. Didn't really know what was going on. And because I'm kind of a action-oriented person, I went straight into action and um, called the clinic. So after my husband and I spoke about it, we're like, okay, let's get on a list for um, some donor eggs. And um, we we found a clinic. And actually at that time, they were doing, so someone that was going through male infertility, they would then... Um, and they would donate half their eggs to us in exchange for us paying for them to go through um, um, their 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 infertility journey. So if they were you know if they had to have uh, medication or anything, we would we would we would pay for their services, and they in turn would then give us um, half their eggs. So um, we waited for the um, the I guess back that up a little bit. So before the we found a donor. They, they actually, the donor profile came in the mail. So this was, you know, many years ago. And um, so we kind of were stalking the, the mail delivery person. And so the donor profile we received, just a paper copy um, with the, the maternal and the paternal grandparents. So back the, the, the history, so the, the um, medical history going back to there. So reviewed it and wanted to make sure, you know, obviously people with, um, if, you're, if you're thinking of donor eggs, sort of the first thing is you kind of want the person to the donor to somewhat look like you. Now, I didn't have, back then, we didn't even have pictures of what the donors look like. So I was going based on just physical characteristics. Now, I'm super tall. I'm six foot. And so I wanted someone, and I'm, I'm thin, so I wanted someone that was, you know, obviously getting someone who's six foot is going to be a little more difficult, but um, getting someone who's, who's tall and thin. So I was looking for that. And then they give you the educational background and then obviously the, the, the medical history to see that it's a clear medical history. So it was a clear medical history. Our donor was 5'9", which was good. And um, yeah, so it felt like a good, a good match for us. So we went ahead with that. And, and she was going through, through male factor infertility. And she was 29. And I was 31. So, um, so we went through the transfer. And we were lucky enough on the first transfer to get pregnant. And um, I had my daughter, Ava. So Ava is now almost 16. So back when I was saying, you know, it's a little more common now. I think some people have heard about donor eggs. But back when I was going through um, infertility and I said donor eggs, people literally looked at me with a blank stare. They didn't even know what I was saying. So, um, yeah, you know, this, which it's, you know, it's very isolating and kind of a confusing time. So, so we had my, we had our daughter and then we had a couple embryos left over and um, waited a year. And then we wanted to, you know, I wanted my children close together. And you know, my husband was kind of like, oh, hold on. You seem a little stressed here. Why don't, you know, you wait a little bit. And I was a woman on a mission, wanted my children close together. So we then um, went, you know, went back in, did the frozen transfer. And so that didn't work. And so we obviously we were devastated. And now we had to go back on another list for another donor. Again, same process, waited for it to come in the mail again, made a, you know, a selection um, based on, you know, somewhat physical characteristics. Again, we weren't able to see what the donor looked like. Now, now there, you, you know, you are given pictures of the donor. So it's a little bit different. But um, she again had male factor infertility, we she gave us half her eggs in exchange for us paying for her services. 
And we were lucky enough on the on the first transfer, the first fresh transfer, um, to have our son. And so Will is turning 13 this year. So um, and my daughter will be 16. So they're essentially three, you know, three years apart. So you know, we were one of the lucky ones. And actually, when I was going through this, I really kind of thought, oh, you know, we don't need to wait to go through all these different tests and figure all these things out. Um, we can go straight to donor eggs, and I, you know, I've, I felt we had it easier than other people that had gone through years and years of struggling. We just kind of made this decision, went right away. Although it was expensive, um, we were we were lucky because really, with donor eggs, the 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 um, is a fifty percent chance of success. So you know, one in two. So we were we were very lucky and fortunate. And so, so then what happened is, um, so I had my daughter at thirty one, and had my son at thirty four. And then fast forward, my health began to take a nosedive. So I, I started getting, you know, chronic bladder infections, like every, um, it, it was peeing out blood. It was, you know, on all sorts of, every bladder infection I took antibiotics. I started getting chronic uh, science infections. Remember one year I had nine colds. My immune system was like so low. Nine colds, every cold went into a science infection. I then took antibiotics for every cold. Yeah, you may be shaking your head going, what were you, what, what was she thinking? But I didn't know any different back then. I just thought that's what you did. The science infection was there and I wanted to get rid of it. Um, and then yeast infections are just a common, common thing for me. I had vertigo. I had toenail infections. I had, you know, more dandruff, more acne. And my moods, I was like a cranky, irritable, not happy person. But I was still continuing. I was still working, taking care of the children, like very, very busy. Um, and then I decided I was in HR at the time. So I decided to bring a coaching course into, uh, the workplace. So I signed up for a life coaching course. I was going to bring, you know, I did some corporate coaching for a while. And then when I went through the coaching course, though, I decided that really I had my own kind of awakening during, during the life coaching course and really decided I really wanted to do health coaching. So then I took a health coach, I took a health coaching course And um, that's where I discovered that I had a food intolerance. So I, yeah, discovered that I was was intolerant to uh, dairy and gluten and corn. So for me, when I had those, it just triggered those symptoms I was talking about. So bladder, um, yeast and acne and all the other issues that were going on in my body. So when I took those those foods out of my body, slowly my health, health began to improve. You know, and so for me, I didn't discover this till I was 40 and I'll never know for sure if, you know, if I had discovered it back when I was 28, when I was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure, if I would have been able to conceive, but everything I know about functional medicine and all the research I've done, I do believe that I would have been able to, but you know, for me, I was thought I was an educated, smart person, but, uh, was kind of late connecting the dots. So my mission here is really for people to know that, you know, what you place on your fork, the, you know, the standard Western diet, the standard Western lifestyle, rush, 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 you know, stress as well, you know, that does have an impact on your fertility. And there, there are major things that you can do to, to improve that. So my message is a message of, of hope. And um, yeah, so today I kind of wanted to talk about um, some of the foods that we recommend for fertility. And really kind of the first thing I say to people is to really, is to start by going organic, you know, and it may seem um, relatively simple maybe to look at that. But um, so a lot of the, so some of the top crops, so wheat, corn, and soy are sprayed with uh, glyphosate. So glyphosate is a herbicide, which is linked to infertility and other diseases. So, um, 
it's really important to go organic. If going totally organic for you is just, you know, it's, it's too much, then um, you would want to at least go to the environmental working group. So uh, EWG dot org and um, there's a dirty dozen list and that lists the 12 that are the most um, highly sprayed crops and um, you want to make sure at least those 12 are for sure organic and then there's the clean 15 so you could you know opt for not organic i do really recommend though going 100 percent organic because if it's killing the bugs what's it doing to our reproductive and endocrine system so um, that would be the first thing to look at um, Another thing is to, so if there's a, a fertility diet, which is a Harvard nurses study, which uh, followed uh, 18,000 nurses over the course of eight years and found kind of best uh, diet and lifestyle tips for fertility. Now, in the, in the fertility diet study, they recommend going um, using whole grains. And, um, you know, and whole, whole grains are obviously, so it's sort of more um, complex carbohydrates, so things that take longer to digest they keep you satiated longer they're not going to spike your blood sugar so you're not doing those those simple carbohydrates so the the white stuff that you you have that and it spikes your blood sugar then you comes crashing down and crashing down again next thing you know you're dealing with insulin resistance and blood sugar issues can then you know directly impact your your cortisol levels which then affects your sex hormones so it's this kind of cascading effect of of issues with hormonal imbalance and um, potentially, and then problems getting pregnant because everyone that comes to see me is struggling with it, with with infertility. Um, so for me, uh, based on the the fertility diets recommendation, I look to see. Um, I recommend going gluten free. So yes, we're in the middle of a gluten free craze right now, and you might say, "Oh my goodness, that's you know crazy. Why would I need to do that?" But you know, first of all, uh, the wheat crop is highly sprayed, so it's high, sprayed with that glyphosate, which is the which is the herbicide, the weed killer. So you know, you could you could have heard it called Roundup, and from um, um, from uh, Monsanto. So you could have heard of it linked to that, but it's as I say linked to infertility plus all sorts of other diseases. Um, and then also, some people could be uh, intolerant to that due to the spraying, and also the fact that the wheat crop, you know, that was in the forties and fifties, is just is radically different than it was. Um, that it is now. So some people, uh, their body will mount an immune re immune response to the gluten, and if there's inflammation in your body, it's 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 in survival mode, and it does not want to get pregnant. So for me, I would I would recommend taking out um, gluten out of your diet for at least thirty to sixty days. So um, and with that, you can you can do uh, gluten free. So you can do quinoa and brown rice. You can do um, uh, you could do what else? Uh, buckwheat, so grains like that. So uh, gluten-free grains, I would I would recommend um, trying. Um, other foods that are good for fertility would be obviously, and some of this stuff is you're like, wait, this is just too simple. But it's like fruits and vegetables, dark leafy greens. Like eating, looking at looking at your plate, you've got you know a quarter starches, so your rices and your starch, um, a quarter protein you know, lean protein. Um, and then, you know, half is, is dark leafy greens. So your kale, your collard greens, your Swiss chard, your bok choy, you know, your spinach, all of that, just, you know, pile your plate full of it, your, 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 your salad as well. Um, and just eat more greens and the same with fruit. Don't be afraid of fruit. Let you, unless you have a, you know, if you have PC, if you have insulin resistant PCOS, then you want to, you know, make sure your, your blood sugar is, is, um, 
is okay. So you want to do the low, the low glycemic fruit. So you want to do, you know, berries and um, apples and pears. Um, otherwise, you can opt for all sorts of fruits to keep because, you know, fruit is better than having the candy bar. And the more fruit you have, when you do have the candy bar, you'll be like, oh, that's so sweet. It's, you know, staying away from processed sugar, and we'll kind of go into that a little bit. But, um, you know, having having fruits and vegetables. Another thing is to look at so, so co- some cold water fish. So you can do salmon, ha- halibut, and cod. That's really good. You want it, and you want it to be, you know, wild, um, caught, and sustainable. Um, then you want, you know, organic, grass-fed meat and chicken. Um, now, in the, in the fertility diet study, they did recommend that um, the more more animal protein that people ate, the less that they had a higher chance of ov- ovulatory infertility. So I think it's like forty-seven percent increase in in that. So um, it's better to have maybe you know, three to four animal proteins a week and have the rest as plant. So it's not that you're going totally vegan here. It's that you're um, doing a combination of more, you know, more plants and greens than with a combination of some, some, some lean meat. Um, and then um, another thing to add is um, obviously lots of water. So you want to have, um, you want to do eight, at least eight glasses of water a day. And then you can you can um, you can add lemon water to it in the morning. So in the morning you can wake up have some lemon water. That's really good to to you know to detox your body as well. You can also um, add in like a, a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. I recommend uh, Bragg's apple cider vinegar, and that helps to um, you know alkalize your your body and help with the pH levels and keep it keep it in, in a good in good balance as well as as well as um, detoxing your body. So water is super important. You know, make sure you're um, you're drinking it from a um, it's purified water because our water is tap water is contaminated with chlorine, um, fluoride, arsenic, a whole bunch of stuff. So you want to um, make sure that you have purified water. So um, you could get a uh, a Brita, which is a inexpensive option. It does end up being more expensive in the long run. Um, because you have to keep refilling the cartridges, but if you just wanted to get it right now, like don't, don't do bottled water because it's the, the, even the, the plastics in the bottle will then leach into the water and then that affects your endocrine system. Studies have have proven this fact. So, uh, you want to have purified water. You can offer a Brita. The the best option is a Berkey, B-E-R-K-E-Y, which is a portable uh, water system. Just pops on your counter. It filters out chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, like all all the contaminants. And um, the water tastes like it just tastes so beautiful. It's so smooth. Sometimes you know when you drink some water and it can almost make your mouth feel dry. This just you know um, it's really really um, hydrating. And also water is very crucial to for for your cervical mucus, which allows the um, sperm to get to the egg. So super important. Um, and then, yeah, so those are kind of the foods for you to, to look at. Now we'll kind of talk about some of the foods that you may want to, um, to eliminate from your diet. So, so really, um, so we talked about gluten, so you want to take that out for 30 to 60 days. And then another one that we talk about is dairy. So dairy, sometimes if people have a gluten intolerance and yes, you could be, you know, there's 8% of the population have celiac and in, in there, there's many people that struggle with, you know, repeat miscarriage and other, other health, health issues related to infertility. 
potentially could have celiac, but there also is non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So you could come up and say, you don't have celiac disease, and this is what, this is what I have. I have non-celiac gluten sensitivity, so I still, my body still amounts a huge immune response to gluten, and for me, it, it, is, it causes major inflammation and major health issues for me. So like the ones I was talking about and linking it back to infertility. So um, that, is, that is super important to, to take that out, determine if you have an issue with it. Um, and the next one is, is dairy. And some people would say, oh, you know, it's just I'm lactose intolerant. So, but um, if you have an issue with gluten potentially and with dairy, you, you're intolerant to the casein in dairy, which is the protein in milk. So you really want to take gluten and dairy out of your body for 30 to 60 days at a minimum. Um, so to do that, and, da- and then when you do bring back in dairy, so the, so the fertility diet study found that the best, the best form of um, dairy to have was, was full fat. They didn't recommend skim milk. Skim milk has um, prolactin on, so a hormone, which then would interfere with um, fertility. So they recommend full fat milk. My thing is to take that a little further. See if you're intolerant to dairy. And then um, when you do bring it back in, you can, um, if you find out that you're not intolerant, to be very, very honest with yourself here. That it, most people struggle with the cheese thing. Cheese consumption over the last 30 years has tripled. When people talk about giving up dairy, they cry about cheese. So there's lots of cheese substitutes for you to look at. There's, you know, you can look at, um, well, you can use a, a nutritional yeast. You can use um, nuts, actually, to make sort of uh, cheese with that. So, so cashews are a good substitute. And also there's um, some rice, kind of some, some uh, rice cheese you can look at. Some of those um, alternative cheeses, the, the, the nut one and the, the nutritional yeast taste decent. I don't really like the other um, cheese substitutes, but you may like them. They're kind of in the beginning when you're trying to transition, they're a good thing to help you transition. And then after a while, you're like, I don't even need it. But that might be funny when I'm telling you right now when you're addicted to cheese, because I was, I love cheese too. My husband, he's dairy free. He, he loved cheese. He loved cheese curds and grew up with cheese and he had horrible acne and all these sort of things, which are all linked, linked back to, so for he, he had, he had health issues that when he, he took out dairy and gluten, it, it helped his health. So, um, Take out the dairy. Um, and then another one to look at is, um, so those are the main ones. And then, like the, you, so you can take this a step further. So you take out dairy and gluten. And then we have, um, there's a couple ways to approach this. So then we, we can look at a food sensitivity test. So then you can figure out, you know, exactly. So most people that come to me that are dealing with infertility, they're, they've, they've been trying for a number of years. And they really want to fast track, track this um, um, they want to get pregnant right now on a scale of one to 10. They're always a 10. They want to, they want to get pregnant right now. And so the, the best thing to do that would be to do a food sensitivity test. And so when you think of, um, and most people that come to me, they're going to say, I'm not intolerant to any foods. You know, they, they would think of going to an allergist and they do that, that, that prick on their arm and they would have, you know, potentially if maybe they've done this and they've come back negative. So what we're talking about, so that's an IgE test where you would get an, an immediate reaction. So hives or trouble breathing, um, you know, anaphylaxis. So uh, my son is anaphylactic to kiwi. So for him, when he has kiwi, you know, it affects his breathing as an EpiPen. So this is, you know, it's no joke. It's very important. A lot, a lot of people with peanut allergies. And so it's, you know, very severe, immediate reaction. Um, the one we talk about is an IgG test. So that is when you had the bread you had on Friday does not show up in your body with the symptoms until Monday. And you're like, oh, how come on Monday I feel my digestion is off or I've got brain fog or, 
I'm, um, my eczema has come out, you know, so what, you know, and so that's, it's three to four days later, you never connect the dots. You just think that, you know, you're, you're bloated, you're, you're having, you, you could be having gas, you could be burping, things like that. You just think that's how your body is, that it's normal. Um, so we recommend, um, you can either do an IgG test, which is a finger prick and you, you can do this at home. So we, we ship these, these kits out internationally and, um, what it is, you just do a finger prick. If the sight of blood just makes you faint or pass out, you can take the kit to your, a local lab for an additional fee. But really, you can do this, do this at home, and you just put it onto the cardboard, and then it, it'll test 98 foods. So then you'll, you'll know for sure then that, you know, it, it could be the gluten. It could be whatever, how people come back intolerant to onions. Each person is different. We don't know what, it, what it's going to be until the test. The test will help you figure this out for sure and really just have a, a roadmap for you to know exactly what's going on. That's why we use functional testing like test, don't guess, let's fast track this and figure it out. So that's the IgG test. So um, the one we like the best is the MRT, so the LEAP MRT. It's got a 94% efficacy um, rating and it tests for 150 foods and 150 food chemicals. So that one um, is, is, and you can take that one to your local lab. So, um, and that's a blood draw. So you'd get that tested and probably about two to three weeks later, we'll get the report and you can figure out exactly what, what you're intolerant to and then move from there. And then after you get those, those reports, you know, you still need to do the work. So you still need to do an elimination diet. You know, I've prepared a fertility preparation program where it takes out the top allergens. So, you know, we would look at based on the results of your, of the, of the food test, like a, a program just for you, but the... But the elimination diet typically is are the top allergens. So we talked about dairy gluten, but it's soy, corn, eggs, and peanuts. So we take those out for 10 days, and then we systematically bring them back in. Because we could sit here. You can look at your, your report. It's going to say, okay, you're intolerant to onions. You're intolerant to dairy. You know, maybe cow's milk is coming up. Maybe you could be intolerant to fish. You know, who, who knows what it's going to say. But you won't know what it's going to do to your body um, until you take it out and then bring it back in. So the whole re, you know, the whole re-challenge phase is very important. So you, you take it out for, um, a, like a, a number of days. So, so the, the elimination diet is you take it out for 30 days and then you systematically bring it back in and you're going to see for sure what, you know, what gluten does to you, what dairy does to you, how, how corn, I've had people having corn, it affects their asthma, gluten, um, so I guess I'll kind of share with you how each, because we have a symptom checklist, so how, how these foods could affect your, your body and how it all links back to infertility. So, um, for instance, you could have, the food could be impacting um, your mood. So you could have ADHD, um, you could have uh, anxiety, depression, um, it affects those. So you got to look, look to see how, and for me, it made me super irritable, um, these foods. You could have um, digestive issues. So people just think of food intolerances. They think only of digestion issues. So, like, it, But there's other things. So we start with there's mood, there's digestion issues. So you could have IBS, Crohn's, colitis, gas, burping. All these things are, are a clue for um, affecting your digestion. You know, bloating, which is a huge thing. Some people go around thin. This was me for years, thin. But then I had this kind of pregnant belly, which looks like it was just sticking out bloated all the time when you know changed my diet went back to a flat stomach so because I didn't matter what I ate I was always bloated um and then another thing it could affect is your um um so if you have autoimmune disease so um rheumatoid arthritis lupus um 
um, diabetes type one, Hashimoto's, Graves disease, um, multiple sclerosis, so like those autoimmune issues for sure. Um, making da- ch- changes to diet can majorly impact those. Um, another one would be so your skin. So if you have acne, so like for me, it was you know dairy and gluten linked to acne and processed sugar, obviously as well. Um, we'll talk about processed sugar in a minute. So. Um, yeah, so acne, eczema, dermatitis, um, rashes, all those things, you know, how is that, how is the food affecting your, you know, and putting topical creams and lotions that does not get to the root cause of, you know, why. So a lot of this, so those are the sort of the main areas where it can, it can impact you. And so a lot of this then is beginning to, you know, heal your gut using, um, you know, probiotic rich foods and um, determining actually what potentially could be underneath the reason why you're having a leaky gut, which is leaky gut is, is basically, um, it's like a bacteria or a protein. So the food is coming in and affecting your small, small intestine intestine, and then, um, causing immune reaction, your body inflammation. And then, then that gives you the inability to get pregnant, uh, in this case. So, um, it's it's really and it you know it damages your small intestine. It, it it affects the you know the the mucosal lining of the small intestine. So um, as you say, so take up the do the elimination diet. You also want to add in there. I've sort of been talking a little bit about this. Also want to add in there the processed sugar. So you want to um, take out processed sugar. You can do um, it. It is processed sugar will you know. You have it, it's a sort of, again, the same with the roller coaster. You have it, it spikes your insulin, then it, you crash down again, 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 and then that affects your cortisol levels, which then affects your sex hormones. So processed sugar is something that, um, you know, we've been on this low-fat craze since the 80s before, and all sorts of research pointing that, you know, the sugar industry has kind of pushed this because if you have a low-fat, you know, they kind of said it's not, it's fat is the issue. Um, well, no, it's actually sugar because um, sugar is, is, you know, affecting your hormones, you know, doing a hormonal imbalance. And then, and really it's, um, yeah, so having like a low fat product without sugar tastes like cardboard. So they had to load it. So that yogurt that I used to have every day, maybe you're having every day, the yogurt that I was having every day, which I was low fat, thought it was healthy, having my my low fat yogurt loaded with like four teaspoons of sugar in there every day. No wonder I need it. You know, sugar is, they've said it's, you know, more addictive than cocaine. It's, it's, and it's in everything to be able to, you know, to read labels and become a food detective and you know, we talk about shopping, shopping in the periphery of the grocery store, things that are in a box, you know, anything more than five ingredients. If your great grandmother says, what's that? Then, you know, why, why are you eating it? But really look to eliminate processed sugar. Look, to, but it's not about not having something sweet. You can look at maple syrup. You can look at honey. So natural, natural sweeteners. If you do have an insulin resist, um, uh, blood sugar issue, you can look at stevia, make sure it's organic. You don't want to get the process, the, um, processed one, um, looking at organic stevia. So there are some other sweetener options to, to look at. So it's not, um, even looking at, you know, adding in dates. If I have a sugar craving, I have a, I'm a jewel date, which is just, you know, sweet and beautiful. So there's lots of things that you can have. It's not like you're going off. Cause I, when I made this change, literally whenever I look at a cookbook, I would look at the dessert section and saying, you know, I need, where's the desserts? I, I'm obsessed with sweets. So 
Um, I don't have processed sugar anymore, but I enjoy maple syrup. I have honey in my tea. I, um, you know, fruits just taste way better. If you want to add a little drizzle of honey to some raspberries for a, for a little extra kick, that's, that's great too. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what I look at. And as far as trying to heal the gut, so when we look at um, with food sensitivities, um, often there's other things underneath that, underneath why all, you, you, know, you may have a leaky gut or all of a sudden you've got this, or you may have already had it for many of years, this food sensitivity. So it's really to look to see what's underneath that. And with that, we do stool testing. So it looks at the DNA of the stool. So the, tool, the stool test that we recommend is a GI map, so G-I-M-A-M-A-P. And um, it looks at, and, you know, do you have a bacterial infection? So do you have a fungal infection? Is there a parasite? So it could be like a whole host of things that are underneath why all of a sudden you know you're having intolerances to to food and um you know it's causing this is causing further stress on your body so we look to see what's underneath it and that's kind of in the the tools for functional medicine that we that we use so a stool test is really again to further figure out further healing there's a lot of stuff with the fungal thing with people thinking they have candida and they go on this very restrictive diet but really candida is the last thing that that we would target if we look at the the stool test so there's usually other things in there as well because candida is very opportunistic and um, it can lodge in there and lay dormant and come to life again so um, yeah there's there's other things that we we can do in there to um, you know use a a protocol then to uh, a natural protocol to eradicate uh, if there's a bacterial infection, if there's a fungal infection, if there's a parasite, we have a protocol then to eradicate that. So, um, but really for some probiotic rich foods, like you want to make sure that you're, um, you can add in, um, you know, some sauerkraut. You want to make sure it's um, in the refrigerated section. So Bragg's is a good one. Uh, sauerkraut kimchi is a little spicier. You can, you can do that. You can do probiotic drinks. You can add in so Kavita is a good one. If you do have, um, you want to be careful here. If you do have Candida, some of these, like if you could do uh, kombucha, which is good, but if you have kombucha and you have Candida, it can make it worse. Um, coconut yogurt, like coconut yogurt, is 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 very um, like probiotic rich. So you just actually to make that, you just take a can of um, coconut yogurt and uh, about three to four capsules of probiotics. You split the capsules and add the powder to the coconut yogurt, put it in a little mason jar in, the, in a cool, dark place for like three days, st- you know, stir it a couple times a day and bring it out and you've got a coconut yogurt and put it in the fridge. So um, that's cool, uh, like an easy thing to do. And then adding like living herbs, these are all really good to heal your gut, you know, because if you've got an intolerance and you find out you have that you need to start healing, so it's kind of adding cilantro or parsley, uh, basil, lemon balm, um, pineapple is really good. Um, be careful though, because you might have intolerance with with uh, pineapple. Some people react to the bromelain, but um, that's very good to help with inflammation. Papaya is very good because it's got vitamin C, which is good for gut health. Um, and wild blueberries, and then lots of leafy, like leafy living greens, like those, um, like there's pea shoots and sunflower greens, and um, I don't know, I had those for my for my lunch, kind of those those living greens, and you just add a little bit of lemon and olive oil and you know, Himalayan salt and, and some pepper and you're you're good to go. Um and yeah, so I think those kind of things are good to help with, with gut support. But a lot of this is um 
you know, there's, there's lots of things that you can do with your diet. So it is within your power to make, to make these changes. It can be a little overwhelming when you're trying to figure it out. So I do have a uh, free fertility diet, um, uh, download for you. So you can, um, down the, download the link to that. And basically it's all chef prepared recipes. So I work with a chef who trained at the, uh, natural gourmet so it's a top health inspired chef school in north america it's in new york city and so really it's it's like awesome food but um but it's healthy for you so um yeah so i would i would download the fertility diet challenge and then you kind of dip your toe into this and figure out kind of sometimes we think oh this is going to suck right that eating this way but no um it's it's very empowering to know that you can make changes you don't need to wait you know and your 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 re unless they're trained in functional medicine um they they would only have about 12 to 15 hours of nutrition training in their in their in their medical degree so they don't know this stuff they don't know the power of food they don't know the power of lifestyle changes like we talk more about emotional support sleep you know exercise um um, tools to help you deal with stress, all the stress associated with the, with um, infertility. So yeah, I was. Um, thanks, Robin, for having me on here. I really appreciate it, and um, I wish everyone a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your story with us. And I hope that you out there, all listening, may have had one or two aha moments where you thought, "Oh my goodness, actually." Maybe I haven't been listening to my body as well as I could be uh, and that you're definitely recognizing that there could be changes that you could make or things in your diet that may need some improvement. Uh, we're all human. We all you know, have things that we're eating that maybe we shouldn't eat, but always um, good to strive towards where we should be. Uh, and Sarah can definitely help you if you are looking for some guidance um, in terms of diet. Um, not only, you know, there's my book, there's her book, but she also can offer some more in-depth uh, information into your diet and especially the functional testing that she offers as part of her coaching. So thank you again, Sarah, for being part of the podcast. Thank you, Fertility Warriors, for listening to the podcast today and I will catch you all next time. Bye. Bye.